Northwest Arkansas. Welcome to another episode of Hey Hey NWA. If you didn't notice the title of the podcast that you're listening to, this is Hey Hey Bentonville Film Festival. And you might say, hmm, that's a little bit odd. I was expecting Local Lowdown or, I don't know, the number 16. But that is not the case. We are starting our Hey Hey series, which is very exciting for us. We get to go to a bunch of events. Um, so the goal here is to go to events around Northwest Arkansas and report back on them or do do something of some nature to advertise the event itself. So in this episode, I'm going to talk through the Bentonville Film Festival and also my top five list of movies that I was able to see while I was there. And next time, whenever we have a Hey Hey, uh, hey, hey event in the series, it might manifest itself in us walking around and interviewing people at the event itself. It might... Uh, be us interviewing the leadership at the event itself, or it just might be us debriefing the event itself. So I'm really excited to get this Hey Hey series started because there's going to be a lot of cool stuff going on in Northwest Arkansas this summer, and we're very excited to be there, and we're very excited to cover it. Now, this means that we're probably not going to do as many interviews. We're going to still going to do some interviews over the summer, but we're not going to do them as frequently. Also, the local lowdown will keep going, and we will... As Zach said in a previous episode, we will have the same density of episodes, but they will vary in content. So less interviews, more events, same amount of local lowdown. You're going to get your podcast fix from us for the month, and we're going to have a good time doing it, you know? I, I hope you guys know that we do have a lot of fun recording this stuff and actually going to these events and all of that. And, you know, you hear it on local lowdown, but I just wanted to say it out loud so you guys actually knew that for certain. So that's our little hiatus. I hesitate using the word hiatus because it's not going to be that long, but that's what we're doing for the summer. Now, we're actually going to post these events on our Facebook page so you guys can actually be there and experience the events yourselves. Uh, In addition to us being there, we don't want to just advertise. We don't want to advertise an event post event and say, hey, it was really cool and you weren't there. But we really want to uh, talk about the event and really hype up the event before um, so you guys know about it and so that we can actually um, promote that event well and before and after. So with that, uh, I'm going to dive into the Bentonville Film Festival. Um, I don't know how many of you guys got to go to it, but it was a pretty great time. It was my first time going to the Bentonville Film Festival. And whenever I went to the film festival, I tried to keep in mind uh, my past experiences at film festivals. I haven't gone to very many. Um, I got to go to one in uh, Massachusetts two summers ago um, in Provincetown, which is on the tip of Massachusetts, um, all the way out in the Bay. And I got to see two or three movies, and that was a great time. And it's, I, I just love going to film festivals because it gets to highlight the films that you don't typically see in theaters. And it's, especially this festival, it gets to highlight women and diverse voices in media. That's actually their tagline, championing women and diverse voices in media. And so it gives a different spin on movies when typically in Hollywood we get the same, I don't want to say plain Jane, but kind of plain Jane, movies and actors and plots and storylines. So 
having the Bentonville Film Festival and being able to see these movies really is a treat for me because I love something different and something new. Now, again, they're... Uh, their theme is include, well, their tagline is include, and then their actual uh, message is championing women and diverse voices in media. So a lot of the films do revolve around female characters, and if they're not, they're not female characters actually in the movie itself. Perhaps uh, the editor is a woman, um, the director, actors, actresses, um, people working the set. There actually is a. As Gina Allgaier got to say on our Monday episode, last Monday, they have to meet a certain criteria in order to be considered for the festival itself. So there is a lot of emphasis on women, but also diverse voices in general. And so uh, we're talking about racial diversity. We also have just international films as well. We have um, LGBT diversity in there. And so the goal is to include and celebrate these diverse, diverse um, voices in media. Now, you were probably wondering when it actually happened. I, I was kind of surprised to find that a couple people that I interacted with were like, oh, the film festivals this week? I had no idea. Yes, it was. Um, it actually started on May the 2nd, and that's a Tuesday. And it started with a film at the 21C Hotel, and that was kind of the hub for the whole festival itself. So the fe- the festival kicked off on that Tuesday, and it was throughout the week. And by Sunday, um, they were showing their encore films, the ones that had won awards on the Saturday night, the Saturday night uh, awards ceremony, and showing them again. So it was, it was almost a week, and I was able to only go to four days of it. So I was there for that opening Tuesday, and then Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. So I wasn't able to see the awards ceremony or watch the encore films, but that's okay. I think I got a really good handle on the festival in general. Locationally, this was all in downtown Bentonville. So this is probably why you were mad that there was a lot of traffic um, around Bentonville Square, and there were a lot of people dressed very fashionably upward, um, like they're from New York, which they were. I talked to a woman that owned a theater in New York that was in one of my movies. So that was that. it was centered around... The Bentonville Square, but also it was around the Hotel 21C. That was the locus of the event. So you had the theater inside 21C, but they also had mobile trailers uh, for displaying movies. Not that you'd sit outside and watch on there, but you could actually go into the theater, um, into the trailer, and there were about 50 seats inside. And yeah, there were smaller venues so that you could um, see more movies instead of only see them in a couple of places. Also, the record was where a bunch of the panels were. I wasn't able to go to any of the panels, so that's why I'm reporting on the films. Now, with that, I'm very excited to talk about my top five favorite films. I had a fantastic time at this festival. I tried to cram in as many movies as I could. Um, There were some that I couldn't see that I showed up like five minutes late for, and I was angry. I was kind of sad about it, but, you know, that's life. But... I'm really excited to share um, the films that I enjoyed. And now, so I'm going to break into talking about these films, but how I'm going to do it is I'm going to limit myself to four minutes per film. So five films for four minutes, and I'm going to cut myself off no matter where I am in talking about the film. So with that, here we go. Top five, top five, top five. All right. For my first film, I'm going to be talking about three generations. And this is... 
kind of cheating because Three Generations actually came out the Friday of the film festival, which was very exciting for the directors themselves. Uh, hearing from them was pretty great. But Three Generations, let me describe it real fast. So it's the story of Ray, who is a teenager. Uh, he's 16. And he is transgender. So he is going from female to male. Uh, He identifies as male, um, born female. And so it's the story of Ray actually getting on uh, hormones in order to um, start the process of changing his biological sex. And it's it's about this drama around that because uh, his mom, whose name is Maggie, she has to sign this slip of paper in order to actually uh, allow him to transition. And she, throughout the film, is very torn about it, um, but really tries to pin it on other people. Uh, for example, uh, Ray's dad was not in his life, his, in, uh, his enti- entire childhood. And that's a requirement on the, on the actual form in order to uh, transition is that the father must uh, sign their name as well. And so this this dynamic is actually set up in New York City, and Ray and Maggie actually live with uh, Maggie's mom and Maggie's stepmom. So uh, Maggie's stepmom uh, has a partner. Uh, Maggie's, Maggie's mom is named Dolly, and her stepmom is named Honey. And so they live with them in their flat in New York. And this m- movie is just such a very interesting dynamic. Um, one of my... Uh, biggest observations here was that you saw Ray from so many different angles. You saw Ray uh, from the mom's angle who um, she is straight. She is comfortable with her own uh, gender. And then you hear it from um, Maggie's mom, who is an older uh, lesbian woman. And she actually doesn't understand um, being transgender very much either. And, so that dynamic of loving but not getting it right um, and messing up was very intriguing to me. And so throughout the film, uh, Maggie tries to understand what being trans is like and kind of asks the people around her um, what they think of um, their own gender and how they fit into society. And also she continually wonders if this is the right decision for what, she sees, you know, she sees this as losing her daughter as um, Ray transitions to be biologically male. Um, and, and it just shows so much of the tension that exists um, within the lives of transgender families and trend, uh, <laughs> transgender families, uh, families where um, one of the family members is transgender, whether it be the, the kid or the parent um, and the difficulty there. And the love that is there, but the mistakes that come with that. So, um, yeah, people continue to misgender Ray throughout the film, um, but they don't mean it. They they say it in the heat of the moment, and they automatically correct themselves. But the pain's kind of still there. But also, um, there's forgiveness and grace at the same time. Um, I really appreciated this. I'm coming up on 20 seconds. Uh, the directors got to speak at the end, and I got to ask them about um, if these kinds of films needed these kinds of films need to be created in order to advance um, inclusion. And they said they wanted to go farther than this, but they actually limited it for the sake of the film. Top five, top five, top five. 
My next film that I want to talk about actually isn't as popular. So Three Generations was very popular. It was the opening night film. But this one actually just kind of um, fell by the wayside, but I thought was really fantastic. It's called The Archer. And it's a film about a girl who um, is a fantastic archer, uh, wins wins, uh, regionals or state for her school, um, and while she does that, uh, she and another girl actually staying at this hotel and, uh, her name is Lauren, the, the archer who wins. And she knows that her friend is being, um, physically abused by her boyfriend. Um, but her, but her friend won't say anything about it. And so there's actually an instance where he gets physical with her and Lauren sees this and Lauren proceeds to beat the crap out of him because, um, Lauren in this film is an incredibly strong, uh, strategic, competitive girl who's just emphasizes the the theme of this festival, which is uh, just emphasizing and including and affirming the power of women. So I've really appreciated that. And so after this, uh, she actually gets sent to juvie. Um, Actually, not juvie. uh, More of like a prison-like reform camp. Uh, for for girls who you know mess up or whatever and so the judge actually sends her there and while she's there she figures out that where she is isn't exactly uh, the most safe Um, so there's skeevy guards there Um, whenever she messes up whenever she uh, tries to call her friend to get her to testify against her boyfriend Lauren actually gets uh, more sentence time but the sentence time isn't very normal the sentence time would be you know it'd be maybe maximum two months uh but in this film um for just trying to call her sister i mean her her friend lauren actually gets a year or more in uh the center and so so something doesn't smell right here and girls have been there for a long time and for the most minor crimes like uh, flipping off one of the school teachers and so something's going amiss um, and there's this one girl um, that has continued to uh, try to escape, but she keeps on being brought back. And so she's basically supposed to be there uh, for life. And from there, Lauren and this other girl actually connive to escape. And so um, they go on a walk. Uh, both of them, actually, they they get punished. And so they have to like load a bag of horse crap on their back and run. And the uh, the guard takes them out. And they end up beating the crap out of the guard because it's about female empowerment, and I love that. And they end up running. And the entire time, it's actually the story of the owner of the prison camp, prison reform camp, uh, hunting them because he also is a skilled archer. So they, he thinks he has a connection with Lauren, um, but in fact, being the arch nemesis of Lauren. And throughout this, you actually figure out that. Uh, and I'm not giving anything away here. This happens early on in the film. You figure out that it's a for-profit prison and the judge and the owner of the prison actually are working together in order to get profits from the prison. And so that's actually what this film um, underneath was trying to accomplish. It was trying to bring light to for-profit reform camps and how um, one in three uh, people that go through juvie are more likely to be in prison uh, afterward um, after they were done being in juvie. And so that was the underlying theme. It was a nail biter. I was like scared the whole time. I was actually not even biting my nails. I'm not even kidding. Um, it was intense. It was emotional. Oh my gosh, it was fantastic. And now I'm out of time.
Top five, top five, top five. All right, team. My number three film of the film festival is a film that's a documentary called Vegas Baby. Now, the concept of this is really interesting and strange. So there's this group in Vegas. Um, a doctor does in vitro fertilization. So if you don't know what that is, that's basically where um, it only happens in the cases where um, the the woman is... Uh, is infertile and instead of actually adopting or um, doing surrogacy, um, it depends on the, you know, on the infertility. Um, it's allowing women to have the opportunity to have their own biological children um, themselves. And so basically how it's done is that their own eggs are fertilized that um, they can't um, get fertilized naturally due to infertility. And so they actually fertilize them and allow the woman to carry the baby until the baby is born. Crazy. It makes me think that we're in, you know, the far future of Terminator and whatnot, but we're here. Um, we can actually do this. And so this film actually highlights the story of three people that seek, uh, it's, it's abbreviated IVF, IVF, um, the IVF procedure. And the thing is, it is not cheap. It is $20,000 in order to actually get uh, the eggs at all just available for uh, birthing a child. And so every attempt, and it doesn't, it's not always successful. And every attempt is $20,000. And so this is a really interesting commentary about the monetization of life. Um, but also um, a commentary on infertility and how um, it's kind of a cultural problem, how we view infertility. Uh, it, it dives into a little bit of the religious component. So there's a family that um, they follow that's um, a heavily Catholic family, and their Catholic uh, parents are like, you know, uh, you have to have uh, kids the natural way. There mustn't be anything, um, I guess, scientific about it. And so IVF is actually not allowed by the Catholic church and, but they keep promising, like keep trying, God will give you a kid. But the thing is they've tried everything and also they've done IVF multiple times and still no children. Um, and then you have the case of a lesbian woman who is actually a Lady Gaga impersonator in New York of all things. Why not? And she is trying to have kids on her own, um, through IVF and she has tried multiple times and it hasn't worked out. And also, they're following a family that um, wins this contest called the I Believe Contest. And the, the contest is where all these families tell their stories of infertility and post them on the internet, um, on YouTube. And if they uh, submit it for the contest, then uh, the doctor actually chooses one video, um, one couple, in, to give them um, a free IVF uh, procedure and the thing is again it's twenty thousand dollars and so people are really desperate uh, to get this procedure done and it follows all of their families and all of the heartbreak um, and this fixation on having their own children in fact one of the couples the husband is actually adopted and he wants to he's like hey why don't we adopt but she's fixed on having her own children so this really underscores uh it's really interesting how this appealed to me, but I, I really loved it. I thought it was fascinating um, and a deep problem. Um, talking about female infertility, one in six women are infertile. And then also the monetization of life. 
fascinating, very fascinating documentary. Top five, top five, top five. All right, my people, my number two is actually a short film. And so these, there were actually a bunch of short films that went on. I got to go to the, to the diversity short films. There were inclusion short films. There were women short films. And then there were episodic ones, which is just kind of a catch-all. And there were about five per short film segment. And so this was one of the five that I was able to see during my diversity short film segment. So um, this one is called Nacido de Nuevo. And this one really kind of blew me away. So, I, And I love the description, so I'm just going to read it. On the anniversary of his young son's death, Border Patrol agent Ramon finds redemption at the hands of an illegal alien in a single polarizing life-altering night. Now, I can't talk too much about this because it's a short film and, you know, you don't know what you can really give away here. But I can affirm that this video is actually on the internet. It's on, uh, if you Google Nacido de Nuevo, you'll actually find it. So it's N-A-C-I-D-O space D-E space N-U-E-V-O. So let me talk about it a little um, so it's actually incredibly filmed, incredibly filmed. All the uh, camera shots are crisp. Um, it's very professionally made. Uh, the shots are just artistic as I'll get out. And throughout the film, you deal with Ramon, who is very conservative. And as a Border Patrol agent, he sees everything as a black and white issue. You know, like they're crossing into our land, like we have the right to arrest all this stuff and independent of cause. Um, there's actually a part of the film where they he talks with another Border Patrol guard about an incident where um, some some people were trying to cross the border and it actually broke out in a gunfight and how there was a 12-year-old that was caught in the crossfire. And now Ramon was very cold, very stoic, very unempathetic towards losing the life of a 12-year-old. And the other guard um, was just trying to talk with him about it and kind of relate on an emotional level with him regarding that. But Ramon was very strict. He saw things as black and white and they shouldn't have been there. And so on this night, they actually end up um, catching some people trying to cross the border. And as, as they're, he's trying to corral, call them up, one gets away and he tries to tackle them and they both kind of roll down this hill. And it turns out it's a woman who is very pregnant and the trauma actually induces her labor, which is crazy on the spot. But this actually relates back to Ramon himself and triggers something in himself. Because this is actually the day, um, the anniversary of his son and his wife's death. So at the beginning of the film, you get uh, flashbacks to he and his wife, uh, his wife giving birth and him being there to support her. And that, how that, was just, that was just such a magical experience for them. And now it's gone, but he relates to the woman who's giving birth on the border, actually just beyond the border, on, it, he, he experiences this, this wave of empathy for her. And y'all, this is like a crazy, like punch you in the gut short film. Um, I cried. <laughs> I cried for sure. Um, the ending is just unreal. Um, and it actually promotes a good conversation about, you know, what, what are we doing here? What is, what is the point of borders? What, uh, you know, like the 12 year old, is it all black and white? Um, are there ethics that we should be following here, um, that we're not acknowledging the humanity of people? 
And that's actually got to go to the panel with the actors afterward. And that's really what they wanted to say is that they wanted to question why we can't just love each other and empathize. Top five, top five, top five. And for my number one film, this is actually really flipping difficult to actually fit everything in four minutes. So I'm going to look to the aid of the description because this movie is wild. Uh, this movie is called Crystal and it was a comedy drama. And let me just read it out. Uh, Crystal is an ensemble of comedic drama about Taylor, a young sheltered man from the South with a strange heart condition. Because of his ailment, he can't go to college, let alone drink or do drugs or experience life in any real way. Upon meeting the woman of his dreams who is an ex-hooker, stripper, junkie, alcoholic, with a 16-year-old son in a wheelchair, Taylor pretends to be an AA and try to woo her. Uh, his fabulously talented family, not surprisingly having a thing or two to say about Taylor's falling, falling for this beguiling and unpredictable woman. Uh, past transgressions smash head-on with young love, causing complications for everyone involved, but in order to have even a hint of the chance to come out on the other side, Taylor must face his own demons and learn, learn about what it means to live without fear and finally become a man. Oh man, this film. Um, it was one of the funniest things I've seen in such a long time, for one. Um, also, it's a very star-studded cast, but also um, the main character, Taylor himself, is uh, coming from out of nowhere a little bit. So Crystal herself, Crystal is the name, of the ex-hooker, alcoholic, junkie. Uh, that is actually played uh, by Rosario Dawson, who she's actually been in the Marvel series on Netflix, if any of you are familiar. She's actually the recurring nurse. And they're, they're like stars kind of everywhere. But y'all, this is a incredibly hilarious movie and also has a lot of layers. So in um, with his heart condition, it actually revolves a lot around fear he actually gets these panic moments whenever he's afraid. And it's actually super interesting because whenever he's super afraid, he thinks back to the first time that this happened. And the first time that this happened, he was running with his dog and his dog got hit by a car. And the person who hit his dog got out, looked up and didn't care and drove off. And so from that moment on, he associated that man with his fear and his condition. And there's a, and he actually associates him with the devil. And so whenever he's having one of these panic, fearful moments, uh, this devil character actually appears and just kind of like is in the background or does something funny or does something menacingly. But this actually, um, this theme actually recurs in one of Crystal's um, ex-boyfriends who ends up coming along, um, kind of a ghost from her past. And his demon is addiction. And so he's like taking a bunch of drugs and um, just getting super high. And he keeps on seeing the same devil as the main character Taylor is seeing. And so that's very a very symbolic thing of like, this is fear. This is addiction. Our demons are all different, but they still come up. And so this kid, just kind of in summary, this kid just tries to be something he's not. He's like this Southern preppy boy. But he falls in love with this woman. And by the way, let me just contextualize this. He's 18 and she has a kid who is 16 and he falls in love with her. So it's just ludicrous to start off with. And she's like, what are you, what are you doing? What are, what are we doing here? Um, and he tries to woo her by being like super edgy. So in these AA meetings, there was somebody who walked in and was super edgy and had this like edgy story about how he like recovered from drugs. And so he tries to emulate him. And it was actually a day that she did not go to AA. So he copies his speech verbatim 
and woos her with that speech. Y'all, this is such a funny movie, and I wish this was like one of the movies that I could point to and say, hey, it's actually out for real in the theaters or you can find it on the internet, but you can't. And until it does, I'm really sorry, but when it does, oh man, it's I I loved this movie. Um that's all I gotta say about it. All right, y'all. Thanks for coming along the ride with me as I've talked to myself into a microphone for about a half hour. Uh, as we say here on Hey Hey NWA, that's the jam. So that is the jam of that Hey Hey Bentonville Film Festival. Now, again, I got I to gotta do the shout-outs at the end. Um, by the shout-outs, I mean a shout-out to us, basically where you can find our content. You can follow us on iTunes. We are Hey Hey NWA um, with all the spaces in between. And if you like us, give us a good review. We we like that. We're, um, you know, we're nice people. We we do this out of the goodness of our hearts. And we're good people. We're plenty good. It's not like we don't have goodness in our hearts. So if you want to leave us a good review, go ahead and do so. Also, you can do that on our Facebook page, which is Hey Hey NWA Podcast. If you type that all into the search bar, you'll find us with our little blue Arkansas logo. And you can leave us a real nice review and we'll really appreciate that. Also, one thing we'd really appreciate as well is that if you uh, maybe gave to us on our Patreon site, which is patreon.com backslash NWA. Now soon we'll get a PayPal started so you don't have to do recurring payments if you would not like. But if you'd like to do recurring payments, we have Patreon. So we're going to get that started soon. Last but not least, I always forget the Instagram, which is NWA podcast, all one word. And that's where we post good old pictures of us uh, doing... Good old things with good old guests and good old events. And so, with that, I hope you have a good old night or day or whatever time it is for you. Mm